Then you get all those weirdo mountain people making bombs. Like me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we did. That's that's a pastime up there. Like fourth of bomb July. Bomb making is a pastime? Sparkler bombs, like fourth of July. Yeah. Oh, okay, like, okay. We okay. almost blew our hands like off. Like fireworks. <laughs> Welcome to episode 76 of the Base Shed Podcast. My name is Ryan Roberts. I got news for you. Yes, yes, I do have news for you folks. I'm excited to announce that from nerding out on podcast analytics, the Base Shed podcast is in the top 25% of podcasts. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you. I could, none of that is at all possible without you folks listening to it and engaging uh, regularly. And uh, I, 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 can't, I can't say enough how grateful I am to uh, anybody who takes time out of their day to listen to me rant and uh, get sidetracked. <laughs> Because that's really all I feel like I'm doing <laughs> on this thing. But uh, yes, I'm honored. I'm honored that the show has grown the way it has. And I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to the show and continuing to listen to the show. So a big heartfelt thank you to you all. LemurMusic.com. Everything you need for the double bass can be found at LemurMusic.com. If you've checked out the recent episodes, the live from Lemur series, uh, those are a lot of fun. I always enjoy being down there at Lemur and connecting with the folks down there, uh, playing through the bases in their showroom. I think the last time I was down there, I was playing Ron Carter's uh, road bass that they have and converted into a flyaway for him. Uh, I remember playing that bass and just being like, yeah, yeah, this seems like Ron Carter's bass. Like I've, I've never played another one of Ron Carter's basses, but yeah, this makes sense that this is Ron Carter's bass. Uh, I always love being down there. Stop by lemurmusic.com. Everything you need for the double bass. Use the promo code THEBASSSHED, all one word, for 10% off. Without a doubt, my favorite cables on the market are Tsunami cables. They come with a lifetime guarantee. That's right. Buy the cable one time. Something goes wrong with it. Talk to the folks over at Tsunami. They'll switch it out. Buy the cable once. Buy a Tsunami cable. Use the promo code THEBASSSHED, all one word, for 10% off. If you're like me and you bring upright and electric to the same gig, huh? You're doing some doubling. Check out the Trickfish Trillobite AB box and preamp. I love it. I love it. I use it all the time. Fantastic preamp. I also use their single channel preamp, the Minnow. Uh, I use that more for the home recording stuff that I do. But live, I use the Trickfish Trillobite exclusively. Check it out. Trickfishamps.com. Use the promo code THEBASSSHED, all one word, for 10% off. What's up, folks? What's up, folks? On the episode is Abi Manapregada. Manapregada. Oof. Me and the last names. Me and the last names, man. It's a thing. I'm joined by Abi Pregada and Jordan Hathaway. They are the founders of a new tech company for musicians. The name of that company is, drumroll please. Thank you, Klaus. Finay, F-I-N-A-Y. Finay is a company that was founded to be a better interface between artists and the public, and most importantly, a platform where artists can distribute their content and be compensated a lot better than they can be on streaming platforms. Binet incorporates blockchain technology and NFTs. And I got to be honest with you folks, 
Uh, I knew very little about either of those things going into this chat, and I know more. I know more from talking about it with these guys because they're actually doing it. Um, but it's still something that's a little bit foreign to me. So I'm going to have them back on the show and I'm going to be stopping by their, their booth at NAM. I'm going to continue to learn more about this company and talking to them, you know, just not on the mic. I've known Abby for a few years and he hit me up. He hit me up, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. He was telling me about this company. I met with him and another one of his business partners in Hollywood. We grabbed a slice of pizza. They were telling me about what they're up to. Um, and I wanted to have him on the podcast to explain not only the company, but, you know, maybe a little bit about NFTs, a little bit about blockchain technology and how all this can benefit musicians. So, so really what you're going to hear is uh, me playing devil's advocate quite a bit to better understand this and the kind of challenge why this idea or this platform is something else, uh, you know, I should sign up for because, you know, I'm, I get tired of just signing up for stuff. Um, I really like it. I fundamentally, I really like what the company is doing. You can visit their website, finay.com. I will have a link to that website at thebayshed.com backslash podcast backslash finay. Uh, Abby and Jordan cover a lot of information here about the company and the technologies. All right. And so here it is. Here's my talk with Abhi, Mana Pregada, and Jordan Hathaway, founders of Finay. I'm a B. Monter Prega, founder and CEO. And uh, yeah, I'm a musician myself, play the guitar. Abby, slow down, slow down the last name. I'm notorious on this podcast <laughs> for messing up people's names. Uh, so, Abby, Mana Pregna. 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 It's just how it sounds. It's fine. <laughs> it's just that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm looking so, at your name right here in the Zoom box, and I'm still like, what? Try this, uh, Mana Pregada. Mana Pregada. But don't pronounce it like that, but when you're spelling it, that's how I can spell it in my head. It's all A's. <laughs> yeah, Everything's all A's. A's. It's like yeah. five or six A's. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. And then you got them in the first name, too. How many How many A's are in the middle name? Do you have a middle name? I do not have a okay, middle okay. name. Okay, okay. Well, you, you dodged that bullet. People. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't know that. Huh. <laughs> right, yeah, I is... do not have a middle name. Uh, and then Jordan, Jordan Hathaway, what is your role within the company? Uh, so I do a lot of the writing, editing, copy, uh, like pretty much, you know, any grammar and stuff that's down to me and stuff. The last pass on that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, I go out with everybody else and uh, we, you know, go and talk to artists at their shows. We show up and, you know, buy tickets and stuff, support them, see them perform, talk to them about our company and what opportunities we can provide them. And obviously that's the most exciting part of the job. That's like, you know, that feels like I was just born to do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I love, uh, I love being live music and stuff and uh, talking to people at their shows. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll wait next to your tour bus. I'm that guy. I know I'm annoying, but it's like, I'm, I'm going to try and meet you. <laughs> nice. You got some pretty guitars back there. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Some of them were uh, gifts from a beat and my friends like that. Uh, that second one over there is actually a three string bass because I haven't put the extra string on it. It's just for decoration. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I don't see the bass. Which, what three strings do you have on the bass? Oh, yeah, that's this one. 
So Oops, I'm only three quarters prepared for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that looks like a short scale, though. That looks like the the scale length of a normal dreadnought guitar. So I believe that is actually something somebody just like put a new nut and bridge on. Like I believe it used to be. That was really? the story I got with it. Yeah, that's what Zach told me to be. Okay. How does that uh, how does that deal with like the uh, the tension of the bass strings? So interesting thing, it doesn't. That guitar is actually coming apart. Uh, <laughs> well, then leave the string off, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually going to take it and have somebody uh, fix it up. I might take it to my dad. He does not play guitar, but he can fix them, like, from, you know, something where the binding is coming off. I mean, oh, great. You look at what, if you want to look at what the bass string tension will do to an acoustic guitar, you can see this is coming actually yeah. apart back there. And the bridge has got a whole bunch of messed up stuff here. But yeah, it's I've seen my dad all fix apart. stuff worse than this. So. Nice, nice. You just got the hands for it. Some people do. Some people do. Yeah, I, my dad does that too. My dad like just did like new inlays and stuff on a headstock of a guitar that he got, and he's like woodworker guy. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, he's all he's all into it. I think he refretted the guitar. He's he's good with all that stuff. So you're right. Some people, maybe it's a dad thing. Maybe it is. <laughs> I think maybe it's a it dad is, thing. Uh... I tried to build my own. A B and I actually tried to build our own guitars. Uh, we succeeded. I mean, uh, what about a year ago? A B now, something about like that. A year. About a year now. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, he might have his with, there with him. It's pretty gorgeous. It actually matches his background, which is awesome. <laughs> Black and red and gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh... I mean, Ryan, you've seen this. You've seen this. Oh yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that one's gnarly. It actually has a sister guitar that I'm trying to sell. Uh, this one right here is not built at the same time with a lot of the same components, but uh, this oh, nice. cream colored one with the backwards head uh, headstock. Yeah, I like, I like the reverse headstock. Uh... And then this is actually all uh, carved wood, like CNC lasered and stuff. So it's oh my got gosh, and stuff. It's uh, it's pretty crazy looking if you get up close to it. Yeah, if I if I leave all this in the episode that I'm looking at a Strat style, uh, electric guitar with a reverse headstock and a really, really intricate pickguard. Oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me oh. up afterwards. I'm trying to get rid of that one. <laughs> Man, actually. Do you guys know anybody that relics guitars? Like, there's a company that painted uh, one of my bases, and I love their work. They're MJT guitars. Uh, I forget what they're at. I think they're in Texas. I can't remember where they're at. Somewhere on the East Coast, maybe. They did a fantastic job, and I love their relic work, and I'm thinking about sending another one of my bases to get it relicked. Uh, but I don't, I don't want to, like, I, I'm looking for somebody in L.A., if if you guys know of anybody that relics, uh, some friends have hit me up like, yo, you got to check this guy out. And they'll send me like the Instagram of the guy. Uh, and he does great work. But uh, booking is. Uh... So do you know um, Amp Shop Base Exchange up in North yeah. Hollywood? I know those yeah. guys. I was supposed to teach there for a while. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, I go there a lot. I actually live right there, right down the street, like walking distance. From oh, me. you're it's a no-ho. 
Yeah, yeah, I am. Okay, okay. Uh, but she's always, I don't know if she does relicking and stuff. I know they have relic guitars in there with like yeah. uh, their, because I own one of her guitars, uh, Tina's, that she built, the, the tech that works there. And she is just like the best tech I've ever worked with. What are those? Yeah, I've played those basses. I played one of their jazz basses. What what are they called? Woodcraft or something? What's the mm-hmm. name of those basses? Yeah, Woodcraft North Hollywood, I think, yeah. is stamped on is what they stamp on there and stuff. And I have a telecaster uh floating around here somewhere from her, and it's just like the best uh playing instrument I've ever purchased. Okay. You know? right. Yeah, I know the Russian guy, uh Roger. Yeah, he's awesome. He's yeah, awesome. He's, he's cool. He's uh He's very Russian. Like, I think he's always just barely tolerating me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, That's how it feels. Yeah. I always looked for him. Um, I actually love him, but I do know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I, uh, but they, there's a guy that used to work there. I don't know if he's there anymore because I haven't seen him in a while. But uh, Rick, that'll have big, yeah. uh, big old mustaches. Yeah, he looks that like guy, Wyatt Earp. I love Rick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, man, he will... Uh, he knows everything there is to know about pedals. He's sold That's quite true. a few and stuff. <laughs> yeah. He cool. can talk the talk and walk the walk. <laughs> well, fellas, I'm interested uh, to hear about Finay. 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 What's funny is I have a friend named Chris Finay. So when, every time I say the company name, I think of <laughs> my bass player friend. Um, That's a good fit. Yeah. Let I him know. know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He's he's a walking billboard for you guys. Uh, oh, that's awesome. It's <laughs> good to hear. Yeah. So uh, tell me tell me about how the company started. The company started actually in 2015, pretty much as a Facebook website, a Facebook okay. uh, page to connect musicians. Okay, that's the heart behind this pl- uh, whole project is to connect musicians. We saw that there's no area for musicians to really connect and engage with each other. Uh, as Jordan puts it, a virtual home okay. for musicians. Uh, then the NFT industry started booming and uh, blockchain technology and more was found out about how blockchain could improve copyright issues, royalties, all of that. And so we kind of put the two together and, Finay was born. Okay. So so you were looking for something that was like social media specifically for musicians? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Uh, to For musicians to engage with their audiences, you have to tweet something, then you have to go put pictures up on Instagram, and then you have to go to Spotify to release music, and yeah. then you have to go through multiple channels to connect with your audience. And it's got to be simpler than that. There has to be. You would think so. Yeah. Right. And like everybody wants you to pay. Exactly. You got to pay to boost this post. You got to pay to boost that post. You got to start be a premier member of this, be a premier member of that. The next thing you know, you're like, you know, two grand in the hole per month (laughs) just to get a couple people out to a gig. Exactly. And then tickets to sell tickets. You got to go through multiple channels, each take their own large cut of the profit. And it's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard for musicians and uh, us being musicians ourselves. We kind of realize that and we just want to build a community of musicians to help the music community. Nice. So did the did the social media aspect of it? Um, tell me about that, since that's where you started. 
how did you guys address that with with the with the company? Of course. So the social media aspect of it was the first thing, like uh, you just said. Uh, there's so with current platforms like Reverb, there's a uh, Facebook pages where you can buy and sell used gear. <laughs> uh there's no real way for musicians to connect with each other um craigslist is actually the number one place for musicians to meet other musicians really still yeah really still man i'm always creeped out by web craigslist like i won't even buy something off craigslist because i think it's all just like you know where you go to get scammed exactly right and that's not even for musicians so that was mind-blowing over 60 I think it was 67% of musicians actually meet through Craigslist. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's not, that's more of a, for the, not for the day-to-day musicians, professional musicians, but you know, who, those who pick it up as a hobby. Yeah. Okay. With okay. professionals, of course, you have your circle and you. Right. <laughs> right. All people. And right. Stuff. Yeah. That's where I make some kind of joke about the music scene uh, and how toxic it can be. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Um, okay, so you got the social media thing. And now talk to me about blockchain technology. I've talked to I have some friends that made a lot of money in the stock market right when the pandemic hit because of Bitcoin. And so because I don't understand cryptocurrency, uh, I would talk to him about it. And one of one of the guys is a guitar player I play a lot with. And we're driving back from this gig, I think from San Francisco. And I start asking him about it, you know, just like trying to wrap my head around, like, what is cryptocurrency? And uh, he gave me his his, the answers, all the answers he could give me. He did. Uh, But there's there's like these for all the people I talk to. Maybe I need to talk to people that are more knowledgeable. I don't know. Um, There seems to be these gray areas. And if I keep asking questions about it, it always kind of comes back to, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) there's like these these dead spots and gray areas in what crypto is and i know blockchain is part of that um so talk to me we're not going to get necessarily into crypto but talk to me about blockchain because that's part of the nft thing that you're doing of course of course so there it is vast it there the technology is can be overwhelming but just like people don't need to know how the remote works or certain technologies, we need to understand what good it can do. But sure. before I get into the what good it can do, I just want to definitely explain more about blockchain. So blockchain is pretty much how it sounds. There's a series of blocks that you can consider a ledger where people all around the world that are part of that blockchain check each ledger to make sure that it is accurate. So this is the decentralization of blockchain. Rather than one big company controlling all of the ledgers and verifying that it's correct and taking large profits from it, it's more of a communal thing where each person of the platform checks that each blockchain block of the blockchain is correct before that block is uh verified okay and so- uh so this ledger can include any information pretty much uh 
So it can include information about songs. It can include information about houses. It can include pretty much any sort of digital contract or, um, and that those digital contracts can be used to obviously sell physical objects as well. So rather than one big company verifying these ledgers or verifying information, it's a group of people all around the world verifying this information. And that's the DeFi, that's the decentralization that comes in. Okay. And so whenever people verify these blocks, they get paid in cryptocurrency. Okay. And that's what the mining is. Mining pretty much means verifying blocks. Interesting. Okay. So now if we put all that information into like a specific scenario that we can, um, you know, like some kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say role playing, but we plug in some information there to better understand this. What would that be? If we use, um, let's use something like, okay, I'm an artist. I just wrote a song. And now talk to me about how blockchain technology impacts this song I just wrote in regards to NFT. So once a block is put on the blockchain, so let's say you put your artist name, how much royalties you want, uh, the song itself, um, any information you want, and you create the smart contract. This uh, smart contract is just, just like any other contract where you can put terms and conditions in that smart contract goes onto the blockchain. Okay. That blockchain, that block on the blockchain is verified by everybody and everybody says it's good. Okay. So this is kind of like the block that I put on the blockchain. Then with all this information, I have a song. It's definitely written by me and, you know, moving forward, let's say, I want 10% of, you know, a backend money anytime it's whatever placed or something. So then the community would verify all my information, almost kind of like the block is a profile. They would verify everything. Yeah. In a way you can think of it like as a profile, uh, they would verify everything on that, on that, um, on that block, all the, and make sure that block isn't, replicated or isn't hasn't been duplicated from previous stuff that has been put on the blockchain or yeah been previously put on the blockchain or ever has ever been put on the blockchain okay and this is what the cool thing about copyright is because people are verifying that information to make sure that it's never been duplicated that okay now this is that's an interesting topic because I have a there's a sound guy at this gig I do on Tuesdays that is actually going to court right now and taking one of the guys from One Direction to court because One Direction stole some of his material. That sounds oh, wow. far fetched. That sounds far fetched, but they have like the same management <laughs> yeah. company or something and whatever. Um, so how then if you're just putting out a song into the world? What algorithm is it a computer based algorithm that reads that will scan the material to be like, okay, this is completely unique and it doesn't infringe on any other piece of work based on standardized copyright laws? Yes, it's all algorithms. That's why back in the old day, um, when Bitcoin was coming around, 
they there was huge computers that you know mind mm-hmm. mind just means checking the blockchain just research okay verifying the blockchain yeah yeah and it's yeah. all algorithmic there's not um there's not someone looking and <laughs> there's not right someone right there's no dude there. named hank just listening to everything <laughs> trying to see if it sounds the same yeah it's all it's all algorithmic okay okay is there anything you'd like to add you into this conversation uh not too much except um you know, you mentioned Bitcoin earlier and stuff, and that's yeah. the one that everybody knows because it's where things have started. But uh, just for perspective, um, you know, Bitcoin is blockchain. We're working on a different blockchain uh, right now. And uh, Bitcoin being the first one processes about like 4.6 transactions per second. Um, the one we're working with, Algorand, processes about a thousand a second. So that's how far the technology's come in like less than 10 years or so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exponential growth there. That's not, that's not shocking, but what does that mean? Transactions per second. I mean, so, I understand what transactions per second means. It means the rate at which it moves. But what what transactions, when it comes to blockchain, if blockchain is a lot of just verification, is that how fast something is being processed to see if it's accurate? Yeah, basically. Okay. So every time what a block is, is a group of transactions. Every time oh. a certain amount of transactions are met, the blockchain makes a block out of it and it verifies okay. that block. So with Algorand, that block is made about every four and a half seconds and it contains about 5,000 transactions. So that's when it's triggered. The whole blockchain writes itself to you know, incorporate, check all of those transactions against everyone's information and verify them. So they go through. So what this means functionally is on our platform, you know, that's a very fast transaction time. So when you buy a song from somebody, it has to be verified. Their NFT has to be transferred from their Algorand wallet to your Algorand wallet. Um, so basically with a transaction speed of a thousand per second, that's going to be almost instantaneous. Uh, Algorand's only been around since 2017 for perspective. Visa has been around since before, you know, you and I were born and stuff and they do about 1700 transactions per second. Visa doesn't uh, scale. Algorand will get faster. The more people participate in it. Okay. which is the neat thing, uh, scalability. And that's actually how it's is better than stuff like Bitcoin that's older too, because Bitcoin can't scale any faster. Uh, it never mm. gets faster. Okay. So, okay. So that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of information to digest, but uh, okay. That's kind of a crash course on blockchain. A little now, bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's way deeper than that. Um yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll send you some of the thirty-page documents we have to go through to start this company. Geez. How's that? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, hold on. Well, let me let me take a little break from you know trying to be Elon Musk over here. What, <laughs> how did you guys get Do into that. this? How do you go from music students into the blockchain, crypto stuff? How did what's the I mean, I think it's necessary to understand the the technological advancements. And I don't know if you want to call it a trend. I think cryptocurrency is definitely going to be around. That's not, it's a little bit li- li- different than Laserdisc. 
<laughs> you guys, you guys might be too young for Laserdisc. You guys remember Laserdisc in the early nineties? Like these big CDs that looked like LPs, but they were they were CDs. They were supposed to be like it's kind of the precursor to DVDs. See, I saw eight tracks, but I think I was just in too rural of a spot. I think I missed that technology. Just jumped oh, yeah. over it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? laser laser discs were definitely like an early '90s fad. My point being is, I don't think crypto is going to be a fad. Like this thing's around. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily settled in to what it's finally going to be yet. I think uh, it's still trying to figure itself out. But the technology. Uh, with the blockchain stuff, I think it's necessary to be involved with. So how did you guys get involved with this? Well, me, I pretty much just followed a B. This has been all his idea. And okay. uh, the whole thing just fascinates me. So I jumped in on him so he can answer this better than I okay, can. Okay. <laughs> well, it's the Web3 movement is really beautiful. It's something I truly and wholeheartedly believe in. And I think everybody in this company believes in it. So pretty much web two is centralized. That's where we, for anything we want to look up, we go to Google. Yeah. For anything we want to watch, we go to YouTube. For anything- Which Google for, owns. <laughs> yeah, which Google owns, exactly. <laughs> and then for anything, you know, social media related, we go to Facebook. And if we want to see pictures, we go to Instagram, which Facebook owns. Sure. And then there's like Twitter. So there's only a handful of companies that control the Internet. Mm -hmm. And that's because they have servers and they have the money to actually move this Internet along. Mm -hmm. What Web3 envisions is a decentralized Internet okay. to where there's no one power in charge. And that's where this whole crypto boom, NFTs, and all of this came about. It's yeah, the vision. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I have something to say about that. Of uh, a decentralized internet where no one's in control. That's that's kind of utopian, isn't it? Like that sounds good uh, and looks good on paper. But remember when COVID happened and like there were YouTube was taking down videos that might propose, you know, conspiracy theories about COVID, you know? Uh, and so, like, YouTube was taking these things down and you couldn't see these certain videos that people claim to have all this evidence that it was, uh, the virus was manufactured and stuff like that. So if you're going to talk about decentralization, at this point, you're talking about the quote-unquote 1% of the world, these tech companies and these industries that control the world. I think the decentralization, and I want to hear your thoughts, both of your thoughts on this. The decentralization is a great idea, and it can happen on the small, the small level of, you know, maybe how social media or it impact, impacting musicians' lives is in terms of promotion and things like that. But on the grand scale, the grand scale, um, do you really see decentralization becoming part of the future? Or do you think of it more of a globalization will happen and it will be more centralized? I do see it being um, a part of the future because I see technological increases. Uh, your, sure. your computer, for instance, is extremely powerful. We don't need servers from these big technological companies to do our computing for us anymore. 
mm-hmm. um, with Web3, your computer essentially becomes a server. And that's what the internet was all about in the first place is to connect one computer to another. Right. And without the middleman having having any without the middleman, essentially. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what the internet's supposed to be. That's uh, the internet we deserve. <laughs> yeah, we deserve. So you got into web three technology that it's uh and then that sends you down the rabbit hole of getting into NFTs. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And this is a, one of the byproducts of the Web3 movement. It's only getting larger and larger as people <laughs> learn about it and learn what's, yeah, what it's all about. Okay. It's, uh, we don't need a middleman. That's sure. essentially, essentially the what the movement stands for. Sure. Sure. I mean, I think that there's, you can see that in almost any industry. I mean, as a musician, the DIY thing and and platforms for the DIY musician are coming up all the time because you don't maybe need a record label now, or you don't need this, or you don't need that. You don't need uh, all these other, all these other middlemen to, for an artist to engage with an audience. Uh, The only, the only problem with that is uh, then, I mean, at least I think related to being a musician, the only problem with that is then the musician has to do all the things like I would rather have a middleman <laughs> if I just had someone dealing with promotion and someone dealing with, you know, getting this record done and out there. And I would much rather just be concerned about the creative process instead of having to wear all the hats that we don't need people to wear all the hats in the middle, but it's exhausting to wear all the hats yourself. How does that idea transmit to web three technology and uh, even bland, blockchain because we have to musicians have to do it all ourselves now and it's exhausting and annoying and musicians bitch about it regularly that we have to be promoters and all this stuff and clubs are being like yeah cool you can have the gig if you bring so many heads to the show or whatever it's like oh man whatever like i just spent all my time learning the instrument and writing the tunes and doing this thing uh, like I'm not a promoter. So exactly. if we're going to decentralize it and take all these middlemen out, how much more weight does that put uh, on the individual? That's a very good point. So this is why there's Finne. Mm-hmm. Um Marketing has become. Look at that. That's just segue right into a plug. Well done, man. Well done. That was, <laughs> yeah, damn. That was smooth. I'm glad you asked, right? That's why we created <laughs> Finne. <laughs> this yeah. is not scripted. You just see that <laughs> no, up on your own. No, like, damn. I'm marveling damn. at it. That was that was smooth. All right, cool. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. But this is why we created Finney, uh truly and sincerely. It's uh because marketing has become such a hassle. There's so many different channels artists have to go through just to engage with their audiences. Mm-hmm. If marketing was a lot simpler then it wouldn't be so burdening for musicians. If there was a direct way to actually connect with your consumer, with your audience members, it wouldn't be as much of a burden. Mm-hmm. So that this is why Finne is aiming to connect uh, the artists closer to their fans on by taking the middlemen out, by... Yeah. Um, so they can directly market to their consumer, to their consumers, 
audience members. And how is this different? Um, and I and I'm being an asshole on purpose, and you know, playing devil's advocate. Um, of course. How is this different than like? Okay, I, I put all my information up on Fine, create a profile, get involved. What is the besides having to do it? separately on like let's say instagram or social media all the different social media platforms separately i do it once on fine but then how does how do my fans or listeners or whatever subscribers um know to see me there i think for musicians the the plus about the good side about all these social media platforms that are already in existence is because that's where everybody always is. So you're automatically just putting your, all your information, all your, your new tunes your whatever, whatever you have to release in front of everybody. And then you can share it to all these groups and all of a sudden you're hitting, you know, a much bigger scope than you normally hit. Cause everybody's already there. Um, of course. Oh Yeah. We're going to hit pause for a second. So when I have two or more, one or more person, I have a 40-minute time limit thing. So I might have to send you guys another link, and we'll do a part two. <laughs> All right. Because uh, I'm not paying for, like, the extended Zoom. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so if this if this cuts me off, I'll send you guys another link right away, and we'll we'll continue. Um, So everybody's already there. So now how do the the listeners or the – the clients know to come to Finet to engage with the art audience. Well, we are definitely going to be doing heavy marketing of Finet. Mm-hmm. That is going to, um, that is definitely going to be helpful in getting the platform into the hands of consumers. Okay. Uh, also the, the message we have, the, the benefits we offer musicians Musicians will be telling consumers and the fans right. that they have to go to Fin A to buy my song mm-hmm. because I earn more profit. Sure. And once the consumer comes to Fin A and checks out all these other artists, then then they'll start coming to Fin A for more and more of their Sure, it'll just kind of grow. I mean, you know, like people, I don't really know too much about the history of Spotify, but... uh. I mean, it seems actually now that I think about it, Spotify has similar components where you can check out where your friends are listening to build playlists, share them with your friends. Are all these attributes going to be part of Fine where you can like, here's here's what I just checked out. I'm going to send you a playlist and you can share tunes with, you know, your community that you've connected with. It's all built in. Most certainly. Okay. Except we're going to pay artists a lot more. <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay. How? What's the ease of use? Because like, I think most people that, like, let's say use Spotify probably aren't musicians or artists. They just go there because it's free. So what's in it for the, cons- the non-artist? Of what's course. so attractive to them? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. For consumers, it is beneficial because they can start monetizing on the stuff that they bought rather than paying $10 a month and getting nothing after they quit their subscription. And they don't, by the end of it, they don't own anything, Right. they can come to Finney, start actually making money 
by investing in artists and selling it and making money for themselves because of the nft thing exactly the more i've thought about nft since uh we met was it last week that we met in hollywood yeah yes sir um it seems like a pyramid scheme a pyramid scheme the top down (laughs) yeah you know what i mean like i'm trying to get people to buy my thing and i'm trying to encourage them to sell my thing so that i make more money on the back end royalty wise I mean, it's either like there's there's like a pyramid scheme or what's the other term for it? Multi-tier marketing or something? Multi-level marketing. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I can actually take this question when we get back to it because I've okay. researched a little bit into a lot of the complaints about NFTs and crypto more than the other guys, I think. So <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I mean, NFT sounds great. Like, oh man, if people keep sharing this and, you know, buying it, well, like, wow, I can make a ton. But but then if I'm pushing them to sell it, then, I, you know, then it gets into a weird place. And I, I felt like, ah, oh, that kind of seems like a pyramid situation. Right, right. How How is NFT not a pyramid scheme? So I actually am not going to straight up say no, NFTs aren't a pyramid scheme. Because <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I think there's a, a grain of truth to that. And uh, I think with any new system, especially on the internet, you immediately are going to get a ton of scams just filling up the space. How many scam emails do you have even now? Yeah, I was talking about that the other day, actually. I was on a gig. <laughs> I was on a gig and I was just like, we had downtime and I'm going through my email, like deleting and unsubscribing from emails. And then I I was telling the band guys, I'm like, man, every time I unsubscribe from like some dumb email list I'm a part of, it seems like I get more. Now I I don't subscribe. I just delete because I don't want to have to do this again and do it more. Uh, So, yeah, there's there is a bunch of all that stuff selling email addresses, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I find whoever gave my work email out to the, the spam people. Uh, it'll be hell to pay. I tell you what, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Because then you always want to create a new email that's like, all right, this is just the functional email. It's not associated with all the other things, you know. That's this nice one isn't going to get tarnished. And then you give it like two months, and all of a sudden you're getting some. Uh, but before before we get too too far off topic, though, uh, <laughs> I, I do want to. I do have further. I can explain this uh, a little better and stuff sure. because. Uh, I, when I was looking, when I was out here and I came out here to be a musician, you know, there was a time when I was having to look for all sorts of jobs. And I, uh, there was definitely one time where I almost fell into one of those MLM, uh, you know, you buy the knives from us and then you go sell yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. good for you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, see, the thing is with a lot of the NFT stuff that's been going on in the last couple of years, um, I don't see a lot of it as worth it. Like it, I think it should have been obvious to a lot of these uh, tech people that got into this on the ground that, you know, a cartoon picture of a monkey maybe might not be worth $10,000, you know, like, <laughs> right. like that seems that, like yeah. common sense to me. And I know I'm from like Wyoming and I grew up in a working class family. So it just like, to me, it just looks frivolous and silly. Sure. And, you know, so, and I think that gets given it a really bad name and that's why like the market has crashed and stuff. And as opposed to like that being a bad thing, I think it's a good thing because now it opens up, everybody can see the stuff that didn't work because mm-hmm. you do have valid stuff. You do have people creating really neat pieces of 3d artwork, 
doing collages of real world artwork or even like, you know, you buy the real world artwork, you're getting the NFT with it. There's all sorts of ways people are utilizing this in neat ways to like support their, you know, their art. Yeah. Um, with music, what I think is neat about it is that music has intrinsic value. Everyone responds to some type of music, you know, Agreed. you can almost yep. not find somebody that just does not like music. I right. never met anyone like that, you know, yeah. and to a lot of people like you and me, it speaks very deeply and we commit a lot of our time and money to it. So, you know, I think uh, with music, music is the perfect thing to utilize NFT technology because it's already valuable and we're already working in a space where uh, scarcity is the name of the game that's driven the music industry for years is scarcity like vip tickets for example mm -hmm. stuff like that uh special pressings of vinyls limited edition stuff like that you know like sure. that is where people make a lot of their money and stuff big name artists and whatnot and so we want to cr basically create a way for people to do that but it costs them nothing to do and it's much simpler. All the tools are there set up for them to create unique pieces for, you know, their fans that are the most interested in them that want to feel that they're participating in the artist's career by, you know, getting something, but also spending, you know, an amount of money that they know is going to help make the next album, get them to the next tour stop, X, Y, Z. So, so it almost has like a, a crowdfunding element. To it. Yeah, exactly. It definitely has elements of like Kickstarter and stuff in there. Sure. You know, you want to feel like you're participating. And that's why Kickstarter, Patreon, these companies have been so successful. And okay. I think it's great to do one just for the musical community to bring everyone mm -hmm. together and sort of eliminate the middlemen by having all your people in one place. Mm -hmm. You know, And so real world application. I have the website right here up. Uh, I'm looking at it. It's a good looking website, actually. Uh, I do want to talk about this, that the, the name of the company, Fine, is a play on words. And that is that is uh, referencing Fine at the end of a composition where you have the double bar line and the word F-I-N-E, pronounced Fine, uh, to designate the end of a piece. That That is the company name with a play on words. Now, exactly. I guess a play on, it's not a play on, it's only the one word, uh, but a, a play on the spelling of it. <laughs> play on word yeah play on, play, play on a few letters you know you yeah got, you, got, you got three out of the five the same you're really just you're really just messing with two letters there um okay it's cool so it's a good looking website someone goes to the website they sign up they register um they put i have a song right we're just going to make up a scenario i got a song i put it up on the website my my fans, followers, listeners, subscribers, whatever, could come check it out. They buy the song for, I don't know, $2, whatever. And I set the amount for what my fans would purchase. Yes. The song, okay. So they, they buy the song for $2, something that's, you know, I don't know what's Apple charging now, like $1.29. Let's use that number then. They, they buy the tune for $1.29. Somebody enjoys it. You know, and then they want to sell the song to to get some uh, to make money off of it. I guess like the consumer can benefit financially from exactly. from this whole thing. So 
not only do they benefit by engaging with the music and however the, the music or piece of art moves them, but then at some point they can basically resell it. Exactly. So you, you know, it's no different than buying a TV just for the Super Bowl, <laughs> using it for the Super Bowl, <laughs> and then taking it back to Best Buy to get your money back. <laughs> that works. <laughs> so, but yeah, but the consumer, I mean, in a different, um, not joking, the consumer then can, can profit. And so they get, there's an extra value or maybe incentive for the consumer to engage with this. And then if they resell it, they paid a dollar twenty nine for it. They can either sell it for a dollar twenty nine, get their money back. Now, if they do sell it, so uh, Abby, if you buy my tune for one twenty nine, you listen to it for a little while, sell it then for a dollar twenty nine. Do you keep anything? Were you able to download or have any copy of this music that you can keep forever? Because if I if I buy a record, and then if I download the record and then sell the record, I still have a copy of the record that I can engage with, and I made my money back. So I have both, right? I still have the record, and I have my money back from the record. So it's like I never bought it and got the record. With the NFT thing, is there a way to keep what you initially purchased before you resell it? No. No, okay. no, no. It would have to be wiped. Uh, you would transfer ownership. Okay. At that point, whenever you sell, it's uh, it's think put of on it like a vinyl. Sorry, right? I didn't mean to interrupt. Right, think right. Of it like so a vinyl. it's always kind of a hard copy. Then I mean, it's it's yeah. strictly digital, but it's it's back to the uh, almost like an old school. That's a great analogy, actually. The vinyl, like you have it, you listen to it, you check it out, but you can't really duplicate it at all. It's it's also good because vinyl is the only uh, physical media of music that is actually going up in sales instead of down, as opposed to like CDs and everything else. Yeah, I love vinyl, man. I'm getting really into vinyl. It's I, awesome. I, I one my, vinyl. Yeah, one of my buddies is actually going to give me his uh, uh, record player because I have all these vinyls that our friend uh, Zach left me. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's a little bit nuts and bolts about how nfts work and the how it can benefit both the consumer and the artist what what am i missing in uh any of that there has to be something that i don't understand about it well uh there is you know of course subsequent sales for subsequent sales you do get royalties so artist does get royalties every so time it's sold Yes, okay. every time it's sold. So uh, going back to the going back to me buying a um, song from you. Yeah. If uh, in the smart contract you input that you want ten percent of all subsequent sales, mm -hmm. you would get ten percent of that one dollar and twenty nine cents. Yeah. Okay. Just every to, every time. Every time for and all. Now time. that's is that only would I only get ten percent? So 10% is, uh, what is that, 12 cents, 12.9 cents? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, crushing it. I'm going to go buy a Tesla with that. <laughs> uh, so I get 12.9 cents when I sell it to you. 
Now, Abby, if you sold the same song to Jordan, do I only get 12.9 cents or do I get 10% of what you sell it for? So if you sold it to him for $500, do I get 10% of that or do I yes. just get the 12.9? Okay. So I'm always get 10%. getting 10% of every sale. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Okay. And so as an artist, it would be a good business plan to only release so many NFTs so they go up in value and you would get royalties off of that rather than just flooding the market. It would be wise for you to create a certain amount of NFTs, create that scarcity, and then just live off those royalties. Right. Sure. I, I agree that you have to create some that's protected and others that's, um, you know, kind of always engageable because if you think about the popularity of Spotify, it's because I can go listen to any song in the world at any time. I always have access to it. So if I resell an NFT, I don't have access to it anymore. That's kind of a bummer. That is. That is. Uh, but we also have this thing called a backstage pass, okay. which is looking into access NFTs. Access NFTs are pretty much a key to open a door that you still own. So let's say you have a collection of songs, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I want access to that. Mm -hmm. you, I would buy your backstage pass, which is sort of a key to your house. Through the whole catalog. And yes, okay. exactly. You would still own that. Mm -hmm. You would still own the house. You would still own all the NFTs that you have. Mm -hmm. I would own a copy of the key. Okay. That's it. Okay. And, and now how does that benefit the artist uh, from like a, a residual standpoint, a residual payout standpoint? So if I, the consumer, wanted to uh, resell that key to mm -hmm. someone else, then you get residuals on that. Okay. So I get residuals on the key, but then you as the consumer would no longer have access to the catalog. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay, so this seems to be a, uh, I don't know about a hole in the NFT market, but it's definitely something that differs from streaming, whereas it's not always accessible. Accessible. Like if, if you have the rights to it, then you can access it. If you don't have the rights to it, then you can't access it. Yes, uh, more so than anything, we're trying to create a marketplace where everyone can benefit. Mm -hmm. People, we're creating the, we're creating, we reinvent or we're reinventing the use of collectability in music. Sure. Um, with vinyls and CDs and all of that, that was present during that time. It's no different than that. Streaming services kind of have, taken over the fact that everything is available all the time you can access it any day yeah i mean didn't that all start with the uh, the pirating sites back in the 90s with napster and napster. yeah you know, all the other ones what else there's a few of them going around uh limewire frostwire exactly yeah. <laughs> look at jordan jordan <laughs> Oh, I get my computer aids just like everyone else. Come on. I need to hear the Rolling Stones. And my parents didn't have those albums. 
Yeah, but that that's the perfect that's kind of what I'm thinking is like people always want a way to get well, what they could know not otherwise get. Now, I fundamentally think that having the right to only what you bought is a good thing. Like that kind of old where like you buy it, it's yours, the, the burning, the duplicating, all that stuff. But I also think that people will always find a way to sidestep this. I mean, back in like sure. the, way back in the day, and this is like super early 90s when I was like 15, 16. I mean, before there were playlists, you would like I'd straight up record off the radio. You know, like I could put a, I could put a cassette yep. in the stereo, hit record and record right off the radio. And that's how we made like that's how we made mixtapes back then was recording right off the radio. So you're just duplicating any type of syndication. Um, people will always find a way. I I do think that for the artist and now being not just, you know, uh, a 16 year old in my parents' bedroom trying to listen to tunes regularly on a Walkman, <laughs> but I, I've, I've, you know, come to a different place in the music industry. I do think that, um, you know, intellectual property and all that stuff deserves to be regarded. And so I like the idea of to go back to Jordan, to your um, reference that it's like a vinyl. Like, I like that. You either have it or you don't, you know? Yep. And I, and I like the scarcity of it because that the, that type of thing is kind of what I mean, you can think about it. So before the Internet, well, before all this stuff, if you wanted to go see the Beatles, you either had to be home when they were on television. Mm-hmm. And you had and you always had to engage with where they were or you had to go see them in concert. If you wanted to check out the newest thing, you had to go buy it. Like you always had to be where they were. Um so I like that the NFT idea within music kind of brings some of that back and bringing the crowd back to the artist instead of the artist always going to the crowd. Yeah. You know, I, I think, think that's, that's a good thing. I think it's important too. I just get nervous with so much technological advancements and everybody's so slippery these days. Um, and maybe even the the conditioning that these streaming services have uh, created on a, a generation and a culture to like, well, no, I'm not going to pay for shit. You know, like yeah. it's, it's a shame. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, remember when iTunes hit, it's like, wow, you can buy just this song for a dollar. That's amazing. You know, like, wow, just a yeah. dollar a song. I don't want the whole record. I'm just going to buy this song yeah. for a dollar. And then, <laughs> you know, and then, then it's just 99 cents and like, oh, now I don't even have to pay 99 cents for Spotify. Great. Spotify is the new thing. People yeah. will go to like well, ridiculous links to save a dollar. It's silly. True. True. It is. Well, I but, think you bring up an interesting point with the streaming uh, there because it, it relates to kind of what we're doing here, at least in my mind. Because um, you know, when I was when I was a kid, I didn't have any money. My parents were working class and stuff, and yeah. I lived in a town in Wyoming of less than a thousand people. Stealing music was <laughs> you the were only oh yeah way. you were all about that cassette. Playlist. Music was the only way. I borrowed all my friends' CDs. I ripped them onto my computer. I, you know, I gave my computer aids, like I said, with the LimeWire and whatnot. Yeah, that was uh, that was the the order of the day. I had to have music because it was just what made my life worth living when I was, you know, fourteen. Yeah. So 
honestly, I can't, I've always told myself, I go to live shows. I do all this stuff. You know, I buy merch. I do all this stuff to make up for the fact that when I was a kid, I stole that music because <laughs> you, got, you got a little, it felt like to, I had to, you're trying you know? to tone, to yeah, tone for exactly. your consumer sins. And I think that's good because I think a lot of people, most people I know did something similar to what I did. Of and course. Of course. I think that's fine, especially because right now there's a level of guilt I have for like having a streaming service because I know that they are ripping musicians off. Basically, mm -hmm. it's not much better being participating in a streaming service than uh, you know, pirating music. Right. It's better, but incrementally, you know. Yeah. So the thing about that is. I don't want to erase that. That's so convenient for me. Mm -hmm. I like my Apple Music. I won't lie to you. Sure. But we want to create a way for people, a place where people can go that actually feel the way I do about it. Want to make sure they're able to contribute to these musicians now that they, you know, it's harder to just buy their album on your phone if you're not going to use like iTunes if that still exists. I, you know, I don't know yeah, how that some works. version Most of it. I stream. don't know. I don't know what it is. Like I, I still buy music on iTunes. Um, and that's mainly if I have to transcribe something, uh, right. then I'll actually pay for it because I'm, you know, a couple reasons. One, whatever money that estate will get for, you know, if, if iTunes takes 60%, well, then they'll get 40% of the dollar 29. Um, so I feel like I'm doing something and playing the proper channels. And then also I need to convert it to an MP3. Uh, so, so there's that too. So it's worth a dollar 29 to convert it to an MP3. Um, yeah. So it's less like we want people to come to our platform to actually, you know, stream music all the time and stuff. What we want to offer people is a place they can go to support the artist and in return sort of get exclusive content, you know, bonus stuff, VIP stuff. So, so like this sense, is how it's we more like a in that sense it's more like a band camp and less like a Spotify. Little more like that. Exactly. Okay. You know, we want people, we want the, the, the realist fans, if you will, you know, sure. people that want to go to bat to make sure that the artists they love become successful. Right. Uh, so that's who we're trying to attract. It's, it's not just every casual music listener and that's okay. Yeah, no, that's great. I like that it has a, a specific vision associated with it instead of just trying to get anybody everywhere listening to music to come to one place. We can't um, take on Apple. Come on. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't even know if Apple can take on Spotify at this point. You, I think, like, if you just look at the trajectory of the two platforms yeah, over, like, the last, I don't know, five years, like, it seems like Apple is always trying to play catch up, especially with Spotify doing this deal with Joe Rogan about the podcasting and trying to really spearhead being the main podcast platform. Apple just seems to be playing uh, catch up or trying to play catch up. Yeah, it's too convenient for people to let go of, even me. And it's like a guilty pleasure where you know you're doing a bad thing by, you know, getting all your music through this one app that you're only paying $13 a month for. But uh, we just want to balance the scales a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. give people a place where they can go to do this and maybe find new artists, new music, new mixes. And know, now how does this, how does YouTube come into play with this? So if I bought Abby's tune off of Fene. For a one twenty nine or whatever he charges, he made the ten percent off that sale. Now, can I put that on YouTube? Can I upload the audio to YouTube, or is there a way that streams are calculated through an NFT, or if it's protected from sharing that way? 
it I'll is it protected. Sorry. It is protected from sharing and uh it is copyrighted whenever you mint the NFT. Okay. So there is copyrights in place. So there's gonna um, be a copyright claim on like I just I posted some stuff not that long ago on YouTube and it like I knew what I was doing. I used the one of Stevie Wonder's tracks because I uploaded the bass transcription for the song. Oh right, fine. Copyright claim. I don't care. Like I know. <laughs> and uh, I'm not trying to yeah. dodge anything. Like I know what I did and I'm not trying to make money off of it. I'm just like, here's a transcription. Um, will there, if, if I uploaded your tune that I purchased Abby to YouTube, would there be a copyright claim or would YouTube just shut it down? There would be a copyright claim. And depending on what YouTube does, they would have to shut it down. They would shut it down. Okay. Is there any information about how YouTube is, managing nfts there's not quite a lot of information on that just yet uh, but it would be treated the same as a copyright claim okay as uh so it would be the same process youtube would analyze it and real you know realize that this music is copyrighted and then take it off nice nice um you guys are going to be at nam correct I know Nam's coming up, so I would. I definitely. I'm going to be a Nam, and I want to talk to uh, guests on the on the show about where you know people can stop by and see you at Nam. Where where's your booth going to be at Nam? It's a. Uh, it's in section A, where one 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 three hundred. One 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 three hundred. So when you walk into like that main, <laughs> Nam is such a mess. You walk into like that, <laughs> that main lobby area. You walk into and there's all these escalators, you know, on your your right and left, and all the all the bars, um, and like photo booths and stuff. So you walk into like the main room, that ground floor. You're you're there. You're on the ground floor. Ground floor. Yeah. Okay. You walk into the center, and then like, what booth would you be by? Is like a. Uh... We're right by the Pioneer. Booth, okay right next to the pioneer booth okay that's gonna and be then, loud yeah <laughs> that's gonna be loud i mean like nam is loud enough but like right next to the pro audio yeah um, the first thing i'm doing is going to the professional custom earplug booth yeah actually. that's hell yeah before i start setting up <laughs> yeah exactly so for presentations and everything we're gonna have headphones so that it's easy to listen to um cool. whenever we're going through uh the platform with anybody, they'll be offered a set of headphones so that we can directly interact with each other without any. Right. Any without hearing more. all the nonsense, the Nam sense. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> uh, cool. What else? So you guys are in beta mode right now. Uh, the website yes, is finay.com, F-I-N-A-Y.com. Um, talk to me about the user experience when they go to your website right now. There's, so, uh, you scroll down, there's a mic check one, two, you can register. Uh, then you have different phases here. So talk to me about that process. So the, uh, just to touch a bit on the phases, um, we definitely want to expand. So NFTs is all kind of leading to this virtual realm. Mm-hmm. Um, so in phase two, what we want to do is create a a Twitch-like interface where users can take music lessons online. They can have virtual like jam sessions. Mm. 
what COVID has kind of showed us is that you don't you don't really need to be in the same room to have a productive session. Um, sure. Like for instance, this podcast where. We're right. all over LA. We are. We are all over LA. It. Yeah, <laughs> we're still making it happen. So uh, there's a lot of use with the with just face um, with video conferences. Mm-hmm. So we want to in phase two, we want to expand upon that, including music therapy sessions. So in like some areas of Texas, there's or anywhere really, there's not music therapy. So they might want to look for some music therapy in Los Angeles or New York where it's more readily available. Um, Also, uh, for teachers, let's say uh, you want to learn the sitar or something and you can't find one sitar teacher and, you know, small town in Wyoming or something. And uh, (laughs) right here. I mean, Abby, I call bullshit. I think I think that, I think that's where the sitar market is absolutely flooded, and they can't, they can't get students because you there's not enough be students, surprised. and there's too many sitar teachers. <laughs> the sitar movement over there is crushing. I don't know about sitar, but I actually a dude from my town, like my less than a thousand people town up in the mountains of Wyoming, was a guitar teacher, and he was had won a Grammy uh, for an album that he was on. I I forget which one that would come to me right after this podcast. And he's actually I think going to be at NAM if he's still representing National. They make custom guitars for him, resonators. So like, Uh, so like. To completely refute what Abhi just said, there are yeah. like people lurking out there. <laughs> <laughs> there are, right. right. But in, you know, you have this guy who won a Grammy, but you also had what, Ted Kaczynski. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of lurkers. Oh um, yeah. You know, then you get all those weirdo mountain people making bombs. Like me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what we did. That's, that's a pastime up there. Like fourth of Bomb July, making make, is a pastime? <laughs> Sparkler bombs, like Fourth of July. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Our hands it's like fireworks. <laughs> gentlemen, um, gentlemen, I'm gonna have you guys back on the show. We'll we'll talk more because this is a lot of information to digest, um, fair. in just one podcast. So after Nam, we'll we'll have you guys back on. And there's another business partner you guys both have that couldn't make the meeting. Yeah, I uh, just want to give a shout out to Shashank. He's also a founder, uh-huh. and uh, he's yeah, he's great. Wish he could have made it. Yeah, yeah. So next time around, we'll have him on. We'll talk about Nam, and we'll talk about. Uh, I'm definitely going to be stopping by your booth at Nam. I'll be putzing around there for as long as uh, I can take it. That's really that's my rule with Nam. I stay there as long as I can still handle it. And then when I can't, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> um, also, uh, just want to give a quick uh, quick shout to uh, we we have a ebook coming out. Okay. To explain like I know the NFT world is kind of can be overwhelming so uh this explains like from the basics of what nfts are how it's relevant in the music industry what you can do with them um so the ebook will be available on finne if you go to there'll be a link on the home page to that will link you to the ebook and that will be up shortly okay cool yeah i'm actually excited to read that because i'm still trying to wrap my head around it all, you know, I mean, I'm from you guys. And like when we met last week and we're talking about this, uh, I understand more of it, but it's still just a pretty foreign world, you know, that I'm, I'm still 
you know, as you can tell from <laughs> this conversation, like, wow, huh, that seems kind of weird. What about this? What about this? Like, it's because I haven't fully wrapped my head around what it is, but I, I agree with it. I agree with musicians getting paid for their creative and intellectual content. Um, and, and something, uh, kind of an element of standardization, hopefully that can come into place at a certain level to, to do away with just how, um, kind of chaotic it seems to be out there for the artists and like not knowing where to put your stuff. I don't want to just give it away. I don't want to invest all this money into writing a song or recording an album just to put it on Spotify, which is like a really expensive business card. But then at the same time, you know, like, wow, well this, you know, this business card just cost me 15 grand. That sucks. (laughs) Um, So, you know, that the musicians can, at least maybe break even, you know, on what they did Um, and hopefully create a fan base that uh, would appreciate it. I think that's all. I think it's a a valiant cause that I'm in. Yeah, I'm down for. Uh, I'm just still trying to wrap my head around the NFT thing. But gentlemen, I appreciate you sharing this with me uh, and the listeners. And uh, we'll talk more for sure. Thank you so much for having us. All right, guys. Have a a, dude, Jordan. Put an E string on that bass and send me a picture of the back completely ripped off. Well, uh, I'll bring it to Nam. I'll bring it to Nam. Here's what not to do. All right. That was my talk with Abi Manapregada. 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 No, what? I, that that wasn't even the last name. Abi Mana Pregada. Mana Pregada or Mana Pregada? Abi, I'm sorry, dude. Oh, I feel like I spend more time butchering last names on this podcast than I do even talking about anything related to the base. It's just how to, how to shed saying last names. That's what this podcast is about. It's shedding, putting letters together and saying names. That's... That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing here for. I'm not even talking about the bass. Uh, that's just kind of filler content while I try to figure out people's names. That's <laughs> that's all I'm doing. Um, what else I'm going to be doing? What else? Yeah, I mean, you didn't ask, but I'm going to answer the question. I'm going to be checking out the website. I'm going to register for it. I'm going to I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get involved. And I'm going to be reporting back because all this technology and this. It's, it's, it's interesting to me because I don't know of anything that is like Finay.com, uh, anything else like it. And so I'm interested to kind of get in there and poke around and check it out. And I'm going to be reporting back on my findings and um, how, it, how it's going for me. And I will keep you all updated on that. Um, it, it's really interesting to me. I find it really fascinating, the whole thing. Uh, and I like what they're doing. I like the motivation behind it. I like um, how they're going about it. Uh, the only problem is, is I don't understand it. So I'm going to get involved to try to understand more. And I will be reporting back about all of that. I'll be reporting back about all of that. If you are enjoying the Base Shed podcast, please hit subscribe wherever you are listening to it. Consider leaving a comment. Um, that's about all I got for this one, folks. That's all I got. I will catch you on the next one in a minute.